it simple, really. Great stories with a good cup of tea. It's the Tea with Mike Show. Please welcome to today's episode of the Tea with Mike Show, Ty Clancy, founder and CEO of Flawless Consulting and an advocate of taking mental health. Seriously, welcome to the show, Kai. How are you? I'm doing good, Mike. I appreciate you. And I, I appreciate you putting the mental health part because a lot of times it's kind of like overlooked. So 100% I appreciate you saying that. Definitely, man. And I'm excited to connect with you. Obviously, this is literally the first time we're meeting. We don't really have much context on each other. Just know a couple of mutual people. But that's almost the exciting part at the same time because we get to learn more about each other in real time. And everybody gets to come along for the journey with us. Yeah, no, 100%. And you get to hear the, the full story. Because, I mean, when you're friends, right, you're, like, finishing each other's sentences and stuff. And one friend might think, you know, part of the story is a little bit more interesting than the other. So I'm excited to be able to build a friendship out of this, man, and have this conversation with you 100%. Awesome. So let's start at the beginning. So where did you grow up and where do you call home now? Yeah, so grew up in Phoenix, Arizona. Currently, you know, live in Scottsdale, Arizona, so not too far from where I originally was born. You know, had a pretty cool childhood, thankful for experiences and stuff we were able to do. I was kind of mentioning it earlier, you know, it wasn't one of those households where we had everything. I had three older brothers, you know, me being the fourth, the baby. A lot of times it was us going, you know, to the park or hanging out with each other, playing sports, you know, doing stuff like that. It wasn't like probably the easiest for our families to like go to San Diego or, you know, go to the beach and stuff and have those vacations. Not in our financial situation, I guess. So being able to have that close bond with them, you know, really cool. Around seventh grade, mom got divorced with my stepdad, great guy, and moved to Southern California, so Ventura County. And after that, we, you know, spent like three, four years there, moved back to Phoenix 2017 for school. So, oh man, excited to go to college. That's what you do. So came back here, went for a semester when I met this guy named Louis Wilkins. He's a really good guy who was doing real estate at the time. And I was going to college because I thought that's what you do. You graduate school. I was going to a, a JUCO at the time. And there was a weird anxiety with it, but I knew that I wasn't going to like last. It wasn't something I was going to be doing. I was going for international business because I wanted to get into business. But like, what do you do for international business? Right. And so it just sounded really cool, especially when talking to the girls. So, you know, it was like a quick thing for me to kind of realize that. And I asked Louie, I was like, listen, man, like, I know you're making money. Like, why are you going to, to school, especially for a two year degree? Right. And he was like, you know, my mom is not going to let me sell houses until I go and finish school. So I was like, all right, well, it's, it's damn near out of the Wolf of Wall Street. Like, how much did you make your first deal? You know, and he was like, oh, I can make like 24 grand after after taxes. I was like, Louie, one, why are you still going to school? You know, like go and do that. Like, what are you doing? But two, if you prove to me that's the truth, like I'm never going back to school again. We were sitting in sociology. He like took him two minutes, pulled up his phone, showed me a photo of the check after taxes. And I'm like, I'll see you guys. So that was mid-year. That was like six months into the year, 2017, 2018, if I'm not mistaken. But it wasn't like I just went out there and was like, okay, if I just get my foot in the door somewhere, I took that and honestly kind of went down like a, a lazy road. So wasn't going to school, wasn't telling my parents I wasn't going to school, hanging around the round crowd. And I remember waking up one morning, like feeling my hair and doing like a 360, looking around my room, looking with like the girl I was with. And I was just like, this is not the life that you could picture yourself like having. This isn't where Kai needs to be up until that point. Like there wasn't anybody really in my ear telling me, hey, like you only get one chance at this, you know? I was kind of going down the path that like society had 
pushed me to the low status. And so was able to kind of wake up from that. I'm thankful, really thankful for the wake up that I just randomly had because a lot of people do not have this. And so I was able to do that 360 around the room, saw that this is not the person I'm going to be. And went on my MacBook and said like, okay, if I could just get my foot in the door somewhere, I will outwork everybody. So I went on Craigslist and put entry-level jobs. The third job I called was a job. It was like a entry-level warehouse job. Could not do that, especially in Arizona. You know what I mean? Like just another level of like, you hate your life. And so uh, <laughs> it's the truth though. It's the truth. And so in most respect to those guys, because it really is a mental fortitude I do not have. Like working over summer and stuff, I saw myself like, yeah, I can't do this very long. And so, you know, started calling those guys. I knew if I got my foot in the door, we would make something happen. Third one, the third person I called, it was entry-level warehouse job. Anthony Boca picks up the phone. And I'm telling him, like, listen, man, like, I don't know what you guys do, but you guys give me an opportunity. Like, I will outwork everybody. And he's like, listen, if I sent you to the job that, you know, you called about, you would hate my guts. You would hate me in three days. You're never going to talk to me again. He's like, but you sound good on the phones. I want you to come and interview for a sourcer position. So I was like, I don't know what you guys do, but you guys give me the, like, let's go. I'll be there Thursday, 8 a.m., 100%. So I showed up, oversized polo, you know, my khaki pants, which I think I look super professional. And I looked Keikoa Bordeaux in the eye. And I was like, listen, man, I don't know what you guys do here, but you give me an opportunity. Like, I will work my ass off. There's no one that's going to outwork me. Like, you have my word, like, I just need to get my foot in the door somewhere. And I kept saying this. He asked me like what like my last book I read was. And I just got out of high school. You know what I mean? I'll be honest. I probably read two books during high school. It was not something I was doing for fun. And, and even, I mean, I definitely had way more than two book projects in high school. So we were able to finesse our way around that. So I told him, I told him this random book, Lone Survivor, which was like a Navy SEAL book. And he's like, what'd you take away from it? And I was like, you got to kill bad guys with guns. That's like the only, like, it's just a Navy <laughs> SEAL book. I don't know. There's not too much you can be taken away from it. Reading back now, it's definitely some mental fortitude stuff in that book and a good read for sure. But I remember just telling him, listen, man, I don't know what you guys do. Like, just let me prove myself, right? You give me the tools to be able to work my ass off. I will be successful. He was like, okay, come back tomorrow. You'll be here at eight. So I went there and then he was like, you have to meet one more person. I met the owner and then he like put me in the back room and shadowed this guy for a little bit. And he came in, he was like, hey, sorry, man, we're going to go with someone else. And I was like, what? You guys just had me come back to tell me you're going to go with somebody else? And then he's just like, nah, I'm just joking, man. And he took my <laughs> hand. He's like, I'll see, you, I'll see you at 8 a.m. on Monday. That month, I was able to have like 46 placements at a place called Tech Group, which was all we were doing was placing people. So if you had a pulse, you didn't have a felony, and you could pass a drug test, which I wouldn't watch you pee. I would specifically tell these people this. Listen, I'm not watching you pee. Just get the job done, okay? You had a job for me, which is probably not the best thing to say, but like at the end of the day, I was doing exactly what they wanted me to do. Was able to kind of honestly beat a record that no one else was able to at that time because sourcing was like a new thing. And it showed this company like, okay, this is the direction we're going to be moving into. So I stayed there for a year. Love those guys to death. And I hope they're not listening to this like ill-willed because they met, they like messed with my commission structure three times to where at the end of it, a lesson was business is business. You know, like these guys love you to death, but they have to look at the numbers and make it make sense. And I have to look at myself and my numbers and it has to make sense. And so started looking at other companies, interviewed with like GoDaddy, got an offer from GoDaddy and then ended up going to a larger recruiting company called PDS. And at PDS, it was, I was like the youngest employee there by like seven to 10 years, like super duper young. I called myself a, a burrito B. We're not going to cuss <laughs> on the show, but they would come up to me like, Hey, could you go get our breakfast burritos? 
And normally, right, whenever I send my guys to go get me food, I'm buying their food, right? Yeah. Buy, like, you get yourself food. No, that is not it. You're going to waste your gas. You're going to go up there and you're going to buy our food. Or you're not going to, we're not going to buy your like type thing, right? So I did that for six months, worked my way up to a junior recruiter, was there for another six months after that. And during this time, I saw the guys that I wanted to be like with the nice cars, the suits, the confidence, they were in sales. They were the guys that were killing it in sales month in and month out, but they were also 60 years old. You know what I mean? 55, 60. They've been in the business for a while and they like earned their keep. And in corporate America, uh, the years, like the minimum, that's when they start to talk about like raises. And then it's like a 75 cent raise. You know what I mean? So you're working your ass off for this company. You're wearing this on your back. You know what I mean? If you're a good employee, you, you genuinely care about your job. And then at the end of the year, you're like, whew, life's about to get changed. And they're like, hey, we're going to give you an extra piece of bubble gum every single hour for this hard work that you're doing. Right. And to me, it just was mind boggling. I could not wait 20 years to be in a sales position. And so Instagram changed my life was on the discover page, right? Scrolling through. And I used to take the bus home, right? Before I had like, you know, when I was working my ass off over the summer for my truck, I was taking the bus from junior to senior year when my buddies wouldn't give me a ride. And like, I would walk down this road called Palm Lane every single day. Just to, obviously it's a, a street full of a bunch of palm trees, right? <laughs> Super yep, scenic, yeah. it looks cool. And I was on the discover page and I'm scrolling and I see this like Mexican kid big Mexican kid sitting on a Bentley Bentayga. And I'm like, whoa, that's Palm Lane. And like, there's people in my neighborhood that do not drive. Like, that's not a normal thing. Why is there a Bentley Bentayga in my neighborhood? And why is this kid super young? And is he stay like, who is this? So I follow him, followed him for like a week. And I like just see these guys posting a different life, going on private jets, going to Vegas, like working their ass off, posting that they're cashing checks for like 50 grand. I'm like, what are they doing? You know what I mean? These guys are part of the cartel. There's no way. There's no way in my mind. Like, these guys are doing something illegal because that money just does not make sense to me, right? And I'm following them, obviously, for a while. I'm, I'm at, like, dinner with my ex-girlfriend and her family at Olive Garden. And I see his story, Alex's story. And it was of this dude, this big buff dude. His name is Tino. And he goes, you want a job working for us? Send me a 30-second clip of why you should work for me. And so I messaged Tino. I'm like, yo, I don't know what you guys do. Like, I have no idea what you guys do, but you guys give me an opportunity. I'm going to work my ass off, right? And I'm like, you want me to send you a video? I'm at dinner. And then he just responds, do you want the effing job with less, like, nice language, right? And I'm like, oh, my God. This dude's talking. I'm trying to talk business. This guy's talking to me like that. So I go outside and shoot the video. I'm like, listen, I don't know what you guys do, but, like, I need to know sales. I need to learn sales. And you guys give me the opportunity. I will outwork everyone. Like, you have my word, right? Tino responds to me. He's like, come in, like, three days later for a job interview. Went in there. He's like, sell me this fan, which was like a, a circle fan with no blades in it, right? And like, dude, I was so scared. I had fear. And there's a video of this. He, he videotaped the whole uh, interview. So I'm thankful for this to be able to look back and see where we're at today, right? But I remember just like sitting shrugged, not good posture, you know, not a lot of deep, you know, like analysis with the, with the voice and stuff. I just told him the fan as if like I was a parent. So I was like, when I was a kid, my mom used to yell at me for sticking my like, you know, face in the fan and singing, right? And with this fan... You're going to, it might be expensive at like the upfront cost, but like, you're going to save thousands on medical bills because you're not going to have to take your kid, you know, and, and just a whole other stuff. So then he has me sell this speaker. I, at the time was making like 70 K base at PDS, right? This guy, he was like, listen, I'm gonna give you 2,500 bucks to come work for me a month plus commission. No, like benefits of, you know, 401k, 
the stuff that I'm ingrained into to have like be safe because I was already like my parents think I'm doing it at this point. I'm working in corporate America. The little boy's been you know promoted a few times, but I just wasn't really happy with where we were going, right? And so okay. I remember like saying it to my parents, like, yeah, like this job. And then my dad, like, why do you want to take this job? Right. And I just like in my gut, I just knew this was the right, this was the right move. I'm taking two steps back to move three steps forward. I was a guppy at the time, right? This guy's a shark. This guy's special forces, like someone, like this is my thought process on it. Right. And, and he's going to listen to this. So hopefully he doesn't kill me for this. Right. But when you've had to take away someone's soul, right? Like special forces, you got to do it. There's a different job to it. You take away the emotion at hand from the task at hand, right? It's two different things. I've seen him fire his brother before, right? He's fired me and, and he's still like, he loved him to death, right? Like was back obviously still in his life, but he emotion at hand from task at hand. If you mess up big enough, it does not matter. You're out of there. So I was able to kind of to learn that from him. Definitely kind of went off on a tangent. And so I, I lost oh, my, okay. my train of thought. Oh, Go okay. Ahead. That's fine. So we've established so far that you're developing a, a business mentality from an early age because it's something that interested you. School wasn't really for you. You established from an early age that you wanted to go down the entrepreneurial route because you wanted something more from life versus taking a 75 cent raise hypothetically and working for somebody for 30, 40 years. This is the thing, right? You, you have to live someone else's dream until you live your own. And so, you know, at the end of the day, there's nothing wrong with being a number two, number three, you know, you know, number four, right? But it's being able to look at it from your aspect and be like, okay, this is the life I, I genuinely, you know, am looking forward to live. So you've talked a lot about like little baby steps, kind of building, building momentum. And then obviously, hopefully that equates to increased financial success. So how do you know when to take the leap when you're working in different environments and from like a mentality perspective? There's like certain times in life where you just have certain, I call them limiting belief factors or certain shelves that are just kind of knocked away, right? Where like, it just makes sense. It just finally makes sense. It kind of clicks for you, right? Everyone always says like after your first deal, like so hard getting this first deal, you have to make 150, 200 calls. And you have to be able to just know at the end of the day that they're like the small, the small compounding wins to an extent, right? I was more than it being like a numbers game, but I was telling my guy, Hayden, he's like my right hand. He knows everything, right? And he just graduated college. He just got his degree. He just worked his ass off for it, right? So for the past, I would say month, he was finishing and he was in a cycle for school running like you know, the reps at the end of the day, I'm huge. You guys can see I'm a massive guy. Um, but when it comes to sales or it comes to anything in life, it's just reps and muscle memory. Right. And so your brain is the muscle just as much as your arms are. And as you can see that I'm in the gym every single day, you know, benching 405, you know, you could do the same thing with, with your mind. So going back to when do you know it's the right time? Honestly, there's never a right time. There's always going to be something in your life that is coming. Like, you know, next week will be better. I'll be able to have that wire hit. Or, you know, once I get my tax return, I'll have a little bit of a safety net, right? One thing is like, you have to be smart, right? Don't put yourself in a position where you're like going to be on the streets, right? But every single person that you've ever seen be successful to any extent took a, a huge leap, a huge leap of faith, right? the unknown and the more successful people normally took a little bit larger of leaps normally took huger risks right bigger risks like someone was like you know what i'm gonna take a box i'm gonna make a computer that you can hold 
and anything in the world that you need is at the fingertips right then and there. I mean, you know, 50 years ago, 60 years ago, it would have been witchcraft, right? And now we cannot live without these things. You're looked at crazy if you don't have a phone so or with a, with, a, with a touchscreen type thing, right? Regardless if it's iPhone, Android, like it's crazy what the capacity and, and the capabilities we have, you know, at our fingertips. Awesome. And we'll kind of get back to this in a minute. But so I understand that, that you also have a love for like clothes. So can you tell us a little bit about how you developed an interest in clothes and fashion and that type of thing? Yeah. So when I was in high school, living in LA, all the kids like around me and stuff, they were surfer kids. They weren't like the jocks or anything like that. Right. So for us, a cool way to be able to be who we were was have a little bit more of like a different style, right? Clothing up until I would probably say 2015, 2014, there was like a super small niche group called like the streetwear heads, the guys that were really with it, the hype beasts and stuff like that. But then hype beasts became just like a, a norm, right? Everyone and their mother has a pair of dunks now. Everyone knows what Supreme is. Everybody knows what Adidas and Kanye, what, you know, Yeezy is and stuff. But at one point there was like a genuine, like it was a cool kids club. You know, there was, you would go to the Supreme store and you would line up and you'd see the same guys that you'd see weekly and stuff. And so since I was 14, my first job was working on a fishing boat. So I always had to like, I was always hustling, always trying to get money somehow, some way. I just thought like the guys with, I don't, it's really weird. The guys with the money were the cool guys, like the freedom, they could just do whatever they wanted. They didn't really care about people. You know, they weren't insecure. They weren't, they didn't feel some type of way when they walked into a room, right? And so like in high school and middle school, I always thought like, I'm just going to be a cool, you know, businessman. That's, that's what those guys were. That, that was like the rock star to me, you know, where the guys that were just like moving and grooving. And, and so, yeah, so with, with that, I like talking to girls. I like being that guy, you know, and so you play how you feel. You dress well, you're going to play well. Wanted to be able to go and have the confidence. And I didn't want them to look at my shoes and be like, what's this smuck wearing? Like, what, what, what's this dude like? <laughs> or, and, you know, like be like the smelly kid with like that shirt that, should have been washed three days ago and so yeah just being able to have that and then I was like okay well I could take the clothes that I'm like wearing on the daily and then sell them and make 25 extra dollars right that was you know a huge part of it as well it's just it was like a huge mixture of everything I saw that I could live the life I wanted to live have what I wanted my older brother was always into like cool clothes and like streetwear and stuff he was a super good skateboarder so with skating that was the like birth and the origination of streetwear right it was like the skateboarders in the 90s and stuff right supreme always been a skate company so it's always kind of been in the back of my brain like this is like the the cool fashion and stuff now I'm able to be the guy that's like showing up to the office in a, a cool streetwear polo some nice shoes and my slacks and stuff and that's always something I always wanted to be like different type of suit <laughs> So what was, if you remember, your favorite kind of outfit growing up? I had a friend, his name was Shiloh, and he has like this really cool company. It's called Vague Visions. And at the time, it was called Loose Ends. And it was like, to me, the coolest like brand out there, other than like LRG, Born and Raised, which was like an LA brand, Supreme, Diamond, which was big at that time. Like to be able to say that I was like friends and like good friends with the owner of a company, you know, was the coolest thing to me. And like to get like boxes and stuff, I'm like, man, I'm doing it. You know, I was like, <laughs> I was super young. It was like a sponsorship that wasn't a sponsorship. It was just him being like a cool friend, you know? Yeah. So, so for that, and then he was able to make that into Vague Visions. My brother has a really cool company called First Two Pews in Lime. Like now it's getting to the point where the people that are around me, like I'm wearing the stuff that I think is a cool company, like the Manor, 
They are a local like sneaker shop out here. Really good guys. Love them to death. So yeah, th- those are kind of like the better outfits that I would say now. But back then it was just like a pair of board shorts, which was like super colorful. And then a really cool Vague Visions white tee or something. And that one that got the, I got best dressed in high school, man. So it looked good then, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about that now? Because obviously that was a made-up award, and it's oh, absolutely. Very it was for sure a popularity right? contest. I I take that with a grain of salt. If I was to take a quarter of the effort that I put into life now in high school, you know what I mean? I'd be going to school for free. There's a, a program called NAU up here in Arizona, Northern Arizona University, and if you have like a three-five GPA. You can go there for free for all four years. It's called the Lumberjack Scholarship. All my friends got the Lumberjack Scholarship, right? So they went from high school to college. And past four years, like, would go and visit them and stuff and, you know, partake in, like, Tequila Sunrise and, and the fun college stuff. But it's high school still, you know? And the growth that we've had to endure over the past three to four years, like, thankful. 100% would not take it any other way. Awesome. And so we're going to take a brief intermission and we'll get back to this. So the tea fact for today's episode is cold brewing reduces bitterness. So no tolerance for bitter taste and cold brew is a slower process that lessens the risk of bitterness caused by over steeping the tea bags. So it works for many traditional loose sleep teas as well as some oolong and herbal based teas. So that comes from countryliving.com. Do you like tea? More of like a, a coffee drinker recently, but being transparent, honestly, Celsius, I love Celsius to death. They help us out. They send us a box once a month. And so love you, Celsius. Thank you. <laughs> so is that like a local business where you are? It's a large, large energy drink. You're all about the energy yeah. drink. It's not like a monster energy or this one's supposedly healthy. And I haven't had any like fingers fall off or anything like that. I have one a day. We're good to go. I've never had an energy drink in my entire life. I mean, you're probably just always ready to go at the end of the day then, right? You don't need one. Yeah, so when I was in school, I always got into trouble with like, over-talking the teachers or not finishing a conversation with my friend because we started it outside the classroom and then we came in and I had to get to a certain point in the story and that type of thing. So I was never like a bad kid, but I did talk a lot in it. I guess I got into minor trouble and sent out of the classroom on a few occasions. But I don't know if I was a bad kid, but I definitely could, you know, like I was on my teacher's nerves a little bit for sure. Yeah, and again, it wasn't intentional, but I guess when you're in school and you're younger and you're less mature, I guess that's just the way it goes sometimes. Right, 100%. Cool, so in 2016, I believe you kind of turned your love for clothing into a little bit of a sales adventure that helped you get by. So can you tell us a little bit about this, but more importantly, kind of what did you learn about sales from that experience? Yeah, I mean, so like I said, right, so I was able to take, you know, my little collection of clothes that I did have and turn that into nicer clothes, right? So at the time, Kanye... His Yeezys and stuff were impossible to get. The version ones and stuff, they were like the shoe that was exclusive. It was, you know, going $250 shoe was 1100 bucks, right? Instantly. Crazy, crazy, crazy. And my brother had did really well at the time, had a little bit of a savings, right? And was like, okay, well, how do we turn this into a business? So he was able to fund a lot of these clothes that we were able to go ahead and start flipping. And then we had a friend in him. They started a clothing company called Wake and Grow. Wake and Grow was Wang. So it was a little tree. Um, and then it was also like a, a signature wing. And I would sell these shirts for $15, $15 to $20 a shirt. And I would go with my backpack to school full, like 15 nice. shirts. And I would be wearing them. And I'm like, oh yeah, like you want one? Like I have, I have a bunch right now. Like what size are you, you know? 
it was always like, oh, I don't know if you have my size type thing. No, I got you. Like whatever color you want. And so I would go with shirts every single day, start pushing them. So I'm like, okay, well, there's like some good money to be made here, right? Like I want my friends to, so then we started making hats and stuff. And then long sleeves. So then we were pushing these shirts. We were getting them for like six bucks, seven bucks, you know, make 10 to $15 profit. I'm like, all right, like do that three times a week, four times a week. I'm doing well. And I never, honestly, like I never really took it. It was just for me to be able to survive. I wasn't looking at it as like, oh, I'm going to save all my money. And like I worked my ass off for the summer and stuff because it wasn't instilled in me. It was something that we were not taught, right? Like money management was not something. So I would get my money and I would go and get a bottle of, you know, Ciroc or whatever it was of my friends on that Friday night. And it was just to be able to, to live that little high school life that, you know, we were all dreaming of. Fun time for sure. And did you ever get into trouble with like school administration, like selling stuff? You hear these stories in the media about how a seven-year-old entrepreneur like was selling no, sweets yeah. to his school friends, you know? I definitely like, you know, could say that there was a few times where like the, the teachers and administration was like, yo, these kids are, are not doing you know what's good for them. The only time I ever got suspended in the 12 years of school was for my senior prank. And so we had a, a huge S on a mountain, like massive. It's super big. You could see it from 20 miles away. And it's to call the point of Sunny Slope. So we got white bed sheets and then we crossed the eight out. And then we drew, you know, an inappropriate thing on the side of the mountain with the S. And the news stations covered it all, oh, to the point wait, where we're like, okay, well, we have, to, we have to run an investigation. So they found a bag, a 99 cent store bag where we bought all the sheets. And they went to the store, subpoenaed footage of the five kids that went and bought all the, the sheets. And I got called up to my to my dean's office and he was like, Mr. Clancy, you know why you're here? And at that point, there was five of us. Two of the kids have already got suspended. So we're in a group chat together. And Ryan's like, hey, I just got suspended. Greg's like, hey, just got suspended. And it's at the end of first period. And I'm like, well, I'm trying to go home. Like if it's Thursday, the end of senior year, and they're going to suspend us, they're not waiting until fifth period for me. So I just walked up to my dean's office um, oh, okay. and he was like, he walks out of his office and he's like, Mr. Clancy, just who I was looking for. And so uh, he, uh, he called my mom and I videotaped it. He was like, your son turned the S mountain into testicles and a, and a penis. And my, my mom was like, what? He did what? And then I got on the phone with her right after. And she's like, I'm not really mad at you. Like you could have done way worse things for senior pranks. So ended up graduating, walking, wasn't a big deal. Other than that, that was not, I was a chatty Kathy, but I wasn't like a troublemaker or, you know, showing up to school with drugs or liquor or anything like that. I would just kind of go do my thing and then go have fun on the weekends. Nice. That's crazy that they got all the subpoenas from call. Mm-hmm. That's kind of, that's, that's cool. No, absolutely. They took, they took it super seriously. To maybe, another maybe that's, level. Maybe that's because it somehow ended up on the news, right? Yeah, no, definitely. My, my mom just posted that like probably a week ago and I had a, uh, comment like the, the link there's a youtube video about it like sunny slope historical prank or something like that. i don't know but it's funny that's crazy okay so i know you kind of touched on it but can you kind of expand on how you got into the whole corporate recruiter world and then maybe a little bit more about working for pds and what you kind of learned from that experience yeah yeah so i mean getting into the corporate world right like that was to me making it having security with insurance, having security with a 401k. It just sounded good on paper. All this stuff sounds really cool when you're talking about it to your friends. Being a recruiter sounded really cool when I was talking to my friends and stuff, but like being realistic, it was like a a stepping stone. I always knew it was going to be a stepping stone, right? Like I wasn't going to be a recruiter for, for the rest of my life. 
I couldn't really see myself being in the corporate. Like there was so many politics and it was like loving to death, living like a boring life. Right. So I got, I don't want them to hear this. I didn't think like I'm talking negatively, but it's for some people, you know, like having that consistency, like it's for some people. I just knew at the end of the day, like that was not the life I was here to live. That's not what I was, you know, really made for. So I was working at PDS. And when I saw the people that were driving the cool cars and, and the nice suits being sales, I subconsciously already knew, you know, like you already know before you know. And so I was like, okay, well, I just need to get my foot in the door somewhere else. I need to get into sales, I need to go somewhere. And so it was like, like I said, a, a true godsend that I was able to find Alex's Instagram. And when I like first started working with Tino, it was a shell shock. I mean, this guy, like I said, is able to take task at hand and the emotion and to separate them, right? And so there was no second place trophies. You know, like I was raised with a lot of excuses. Anytime I did bad in school, it was like, okay, well, who's sitting next to Kai, right? Or like, what are you teaching him? How are you teaching him type thing? Like I couldn't, I never had to take responsibility for my own actions. And that will negatively impact you to another level, right? Because then it's like, you're looking at the world of like, boo-hoo, why is this happening to me? when a lot of things are happening for you or they're happening because of your own actions, right? They're happening because you put yourself in that position and you put yourself in that place, right? It was like a shaking baby, like, yo, wake up, bud. This is, this is reality, right? And you're either going to really kill it or you're not going to be around. And like I said, Tino took a huge, huge, you know, leap of faith with me. And two weeks after I was in LA at an event with him called Accelerator and ironically the dude Chris the shark who's throwing the event now he's throwing some pretty large events we all work together now so Tino works really closely with him and then I sell their Amazon stores we're partnered up on the e-com side of things and full circle right like at that time making 2,500 bucks a month from just making 70 grand a year which is not that different it's not that far off if you do the, the numbers you know but like in my mind I'm like oh man end of the world end of the world man I'm screwed I, I I hope I could you know survive you don't know, you know, what those little decisions will amount to, right? Like I earned my place at the table with, with Tino and, and Chris and those guys been able to, you know, at the time it wasn't paying off, but now, you know, thankfully we're able to, to do our part. So you never know. And, and that's just kind of a part to doing right by people. And so as a corporate recruiter, what was kind of some of the new skills that you've had to develop to be able to succeed at the job? So honestly, true, true hard work. That's what it, that's all it taught me, right? It was like dials because a lot of the time when it comes to recruiting, it's not sales. Like you think it's sales because it's commission based, but these people are selling themselves to you. If anything, it's just showing you how to go hunt and be like a job marketer. You know what I mean? To get your, your name out there and, and market your brand and, and your company and stuff. That's a great way to be able to kind of look at it for those skills. But at the end of the day, it's just being able to sit there. There's very few people that could just sit there, right? and bang out 150, 250 calls by 12 o'clock and then come back after your lunch and do the same thing. You know what I mean? It, I mean, people, people are like, Oh my God, like people give themselves a lot of excuses. You know what I mean? Unless you're like getting on long ass conversations and stuff, then it's going to be a little bit harder, but setting up interviews for jobs, you, you it should be a five to 10 minute conversation. You know what I mean? It should not be long. And so just really learning how to like, sit down and grind. Just go out there and work your ass off. And then moving over to, you know, all in and working with Tino and those guys in the real estate side of things, that was a high ticket sale. You know, like our, our my first thing selling for them was like a, an event called Momentum. The like general admission tickets was five grand. VIP was 7,500. I think anything over 6,200 bucks is a high ticket sale technically, right? 
So I went from not really selling, having people sell themselves to me to you're closing closers. You're closing guys that are business owners that do not want to be closed that same day. And it's either you're going to get bitched at from Tino or you're going to get bitched at from this guy. And I'd much rather get, sorry for my French. I would much rather get yelled at from a guy that I don't know than Tino who signs my checks. Right. And right. like, in my eyes as God, like, I don't want this dude to, to be disappointed in me. You know what I mean? Okay. So it really, really showed like, this is what we need to do on our end. We're able to pull up 1.2 within six months, like liquid saw the funds come in. And that right there was like a limiting belief factor, just unbroken. Like people have that much money and you can make that much money within, you know, half a year, like insane to me, absolutely, truly insane. So that was a limiting belief factor that kind of broke right then and there. Did my time with them, stick there for a, a year and a half. And then was like, knew someone that was doing credit repair, learned about it, started doing a little bit more research, started trying. And the big thing was like my dad, the last little uppercut that my mom did to my stepdad was running up the cards, right? So for me, I've always been like programmed that credit's bad. Like credit will screw you. Like it won't let, you know, and it's a lot of what America is. There's no classes for credit repair. There's no classes to like how you leverage your credit correctly. You can go and get $300,000 in negative debt for a art loan. You know what I mean? From Harvard before you can get 25 K for a new business, right. To be able to get funding at our age at 18, 19 years old. Right. And so I saw like, okay, well I'm going to learn how to fix my dad's and then Let's go ahead. Let's go out there and do our thing. Let's build what's called flawless consulting. And so I always knew that there's a, there's a price for pens, how much you're willing to pay for a pen, right? Other than like Mont Blancs that are like 350 bucks. You're not paying more than 450, five bucks for a pen. I know no, that I'm not going to pay more than $10 for a glass cup, right? There's yeah. price points to t-shirts. I mean, you go on Balenciaga, Gucci, 350 bucks. It's the most people will spend for t-shirts, right? There's price points for everything. It doesn't matter the brand there's no price on what value you bring to that person in your time. Right. So I always knew that I wanted to have a consulting business and the word flawless comes from a, a jeweler that me and uh, Hayden used to like really like, like this dude was just really cool. And his, his thing is flawless gang, flawless gang. And so I was like, flawless consulting, like we're going to have the best consulting. It's, there's not going to be anything wrong with our consulting company. And so for us, credit repair, how we're able to make it so that we're flawless consulting is, you know, we work with money back guarantees. We make sure that we give them like two money back guarantees. We don't take everybody on as a client type thing. We really are like pick and choose with what we do. And, and that's able to keep it so that we're at like a, a level of excellence across the board. Awesome, dude. And so I would imagine from an outside perspective, you probably need to be quite good at problem solving, listening to, I guess, the client's need and then kind of identifying how you think you can best help them because we have quite a lot of emotions sometimes. Right. Some of the and conversations that's what sales that you're having, right? In general. So my grandmother, she always told me she was a killer for Intel early on. And she always told me that you have to, for, for sales, you have to find that problem, right? Like without a problem and without finding their problem, you're not going to be able to get a sale because all you're doing is selling a solution, right? And then you take that a step further. And what's been able to really, really help us is no one wants to be sold. Everybody likes to go shopping with their friends, right? So being able to like genuinely connect with people, right? And then having a problem. Like when you reach out to us, we don't do any cold calling. If you're on my team, you're never doing any type of cold calling. You're going to have inbound leads that are hot, right? 
and I give my guys 40% of whatever they close. So if you're in America and you are listening to this and you want a job, reach out to me. Uh, so we have really, hot, we have really, really hot leads, right? And when you inquire with me, I know for a fact you have some type of problem. You have the problem that I have a solution for, right? You're not just clicking on a, a kid screaming at the camera about fixing credit repair for nothing on Facebook, right? And so we have a solution that I feel like if you get off the phone and you don't work with us, no disrespect, you don't take yourself seriously. You know what I mean? Like we have your solution. We have it to be able to, you know, help your problem for exactly what you're doing. We didn't do our part to educate you enough to be able to see that it makes sense, right? Or financially, you're not there. So 100%. What would you say as some of the day-to-day challenges of what you do? So from a personal standpoint, right? So my guys, I ask them to put a minimum of 10 grand a month, you know, on the books, rev-wise, right? And I would never go into war with a leader that hasn't been himself, right? Tino never had me get on the phone and close someone that he hasn't type, like closed that type of deal before to where like he could coach me through that call. Okay, we'll say this now, say this now. And if you say it, it will, you know what I mean? Like, so right. I need to still be able to put 10 grand a minimum up on the board, like board minimum, you know, by myself. And I'm not going to take away their lead. So I do that through Facebook. So day to day right now, it's working on the business and not in the business, right? It's very easy to find yourself trying to just get a sale, trying to put some revenue on the board so that you could still hit your goal for the month, right? When it's a lot more valuable to be hopping on calls like this to get to the masses, getting on calls with loan officers to be able to close you know, their company so they could send my guys 15 to 20 people a week instead of me just closing one person for that day, right? And so really being able to look at it and analyze, okay, what's the income producing activities that I'm doing? Because there's a million things to do. You have the same 24 hours that Jeff Bezos does and, and Elon Musk, right? Why? Are, what, what are you doing that's different? <laughs> it's the truth, though. It really is, right? And so what are you doing that they're not doing? And honestly, it, they're plugging people. They have little holes. They get the job done. They understand how to you know, augment the plan. And they put people to be able to plug those holes. Sometimes you have bigger holes than others, right? So right now, it's just really being able to – like our back-end team, at, for the first six months – that was a real, real stress and headache for me, right? We we're getting the results, but like flawless consulting results, no, right? And that's, that was my thought process behind it. What's the difference between me disputing and these guys disputing? So we we're able to augment that, see exactly what's going on and just change a little bit. Now at this point, it's like, okay, marketing. How do I make it so that I have enough lead flow, seven to 10 opportunities every single day for my guys of the same quality, high quality leads that we're getting now so that we're able to continue to, if not three, four exit, right? Because if I could find five guys that do what I do at 60 to 80%, we're going to be in the green zone, right? If I just have one person doing what I do at 100%, like it's not going to be as powerful if we were to have a whole team. So it's just being able to see where you are at at that time and continuing to, like I said, evaluate the plan and say, okay, this is what we need to do to be able to get to this next level. Cool. So it seems like you moved a lot into focusing on the branding, the marketing, kind of the strategic networking right. and the partnerships. And I would assume, and I'll let you talk about it, identifying the problems, kind of fixing them internally, whilst the salespeople are looking at obviously externally and bringing in the revenue, you're focused on the, the internal, right? I talk about it as like a, a foundation, right? So as I'm building out, these guys are building up, right? And if they just continue to build up, 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 and I'm not building out, 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 Eventually, it's going to topple over, right? And so that's their goal, is I want them just to continue to keep climbing. And then I'm going to continue to lay the foundation, lay the brickwork, 
to where we have a steady foundation to where nothing's going to be falling over, right? And that's that's my like analogy that I use daily, but it's it's just genuinely the truth. And what's your stance on leadership? Do you like being in control without sounding too corny of your own destiny and kind of leading people and working with others? How do you like going from working for people like Tino and stuff to having a hundred percent of the responsibility ultimately, right? Being, yeah. So, so that's the thing, right? Is you have to, and I apologize for cutting you off, Mike, but you have to be <laughs> able to, you can't be the one that's always holding up the card at dinner. You know what I mean? You have to be in rooms that are bigger. If you were the, like, if you had the most knowledge in the room at all times, you're doing something wrong. And not to say, cause like every person that I have on my team, I learned from something from them daily. Right. But there are certain things where like, I have to be in rooms where I like, I walk in and I'm a little uncomfortable. Right. The seven, eight, nine figure tables. Because that is what's going to, you hang around five losers, you're going to be the sixth, right? And you hang around seven millionaires, I promise you, you'll be the eighth. And it's just it, like, when I started getting around Tino and those guys, it wasn't the money that I was chasing anymore. It was more like the impact, right? Like these guys, like, they don't worry about making six figures a month, realist. It's just not a thought process anymore, right? It's like, what can they do to be able to genuinely help people? And that's a, that's a good thing is you can't ever sell anything that you can't see yourself either buying or like, you know what I mean? Or believing in. And and so at the end of the day, like they know that they're impacting people, the money's going to follow. Nice. Yeah, no, I can see that. You can't sell a speaker if you haven't researched a product, you know, the different brands, the different features, um, what's a basic model, what's an advanced model, why is there Truth. a difference in the price points, you know? Truth. 100%. 100%. It, all, it, all, it all ties back uh, to the speaker. Awesome, man. Okay, let's talk a little bit about uh, mental health because that's a very important topic for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, so obviously, like we alluded to kind of right at the beginning, that you believe that young entrepreneurs should take mental health seriously. So can you tell everyone maybe a little bit why it's so important to you and maybe what you do to raise awareness for mental health? So there's like a certain aspect to, to what we do as entrepreneurs that comes with age, right? Maturity. You know, like the whole like, oh, man, I wasn't the person I was when I was 18. You know, is this is the truth. And that comes with, you know, calluses of, of the reps and stuff. Right. But a lot of times, you know, when you throw yourself in a position to be at another level, right, you hold yourself to another status. You're going to be dealing with stuff that guys that have been in the business for 25, 30 years or, or have have built that calluses to, you know, deal with. Right. But you don't have those reps to be able to go through those trial and errors. Right. And so it's really, really easy to kind of fall into a, a negative compounding, like deep hole of man. Like I remember that one time I dropped that deal and then maybe I'm just not built. It's crazy what will happen. And so for me, a huge, huge, huge thing over the past 12 months, because it has not been long, like up until last year from 2017, definitely would stress 75% of the year, right? Have to get to this next level. Time is running out. Oh man, rents due, right? All this stuff, all this stuff that, you know, these guys that have been doing what I'm doing for 20 years, just know this is going to work out, right? And so they're able to deal with that stress a little bit differently. It's it's a real thing. With a lot of highs, there's going to come lows. It's just the truth. With anything in life, like just how graphs go, right? You can't just have a, a, a upward trajectory forever. There's going to be a time. And so being in tune with your emotions, knowing that like it's just a part of what life is, and you should honestly, it's hard to say, and especially being young, but like celebrate the losses as much as you celebrate the wins, right? 
that's something my therapist says. So I have a therapist that I talk to twice a week. Her name is Brandy. And I, I just got to a point where like, I was like, what, why am I not? I, you have to, to an extent, right. As a leader, you come in every single day. I have to care about what Hayden's going through. Hayden's girlfriend breaks up with him. I, I genuinely have to care. Right. If my guy has a chargeback, he's not doing that. I am right. I don't have anyone to go in and spew to. And it's yeah. like, this is my life right now. And if you do, you're going to just how society is. You're going to give them a watered down version of what it is. No one wants to hear about complaining. And if you have that, see, like you could just spew your dirty laundry on everyone. You have a superpower. Good for you. Because I, I just like, I don't know how to do that. So I was able to look at it and say, okay, well, I just needed someone that I could talk to and genuinely be real with and not lie to myself about the situations I go through. So she's able to understand her name's Brandy. She understands the good, bad, the ugly, when I'm a dog, when I'm not doing good financially, when I'm not leading, being a good leader, you know what I mean? And she's able to hold me accountable. And honestly, the hole that I was in mentally that I just was in a funk, it took me two sessions to get out with her, you know what I mean? And normally like people would just be like, okay, I'm done seeing, like I'm done seeing therapy, like my, my, my counselor or whatever. But I continued and I, I honestly kept the two weeks and that has been the biggest pivotal point to our growth over the past 12 months, being able to have someone that you could just tell everything to the good, bad, the ugly, and not be judged at the end of the day, because you have to understand that people, when you tell people your dreams, your goals, your ideas, they're going to come from a place of insecurity from themselves, right? Like, be careful like that. Like, I don't want you to start your business because I saw someone fail with their business, right? People only know what they know. And so she does not benefit or gain anything from telling me not to go out there and send that wire. You know what I mean? She doesn't benefit or gain anything from saying like, Hey, don't go to that event. Right. So for her to be able just to listen and say, Hey, this is from an emotional standpoint where I think this is coming from definitely has helped out. And I will always, I will always, always, always have a therapist. There's no way in my mind that like I could probably go a month without talking to her because uh, she's a, she's a good friend, but also has a, a wealth, she's a wealth of knowledge, a book of knowledge for sure. Yeah, no, I, I've done therapy a few times in my life, and it's it's helped me get out of really bad and potential d- destructive like right mindsets and actions. And I think the hardest part is realizing that you actually need it. Like that initial first time when you go, you're like, why wasn't I doing this like a year and a half earlier? Exactly. It's just a it's yeah, a weight it's, it's you weird. know lifted off of your shoulders. And I mean, there's kind of a negative connotation with therapy. You know what I mean? Like, oh, whoa, what's wrong? Like, I tell my friends that like I have a therapy session, and like 95% of the time, unless it's something we've already spoke about, hey, bro, are you okay? You good? And it's like, yeah, yeah I'm actually better than ever. Like, <laughs> I have a clear head. I'm able to sleep at night because I know, you know, what I'm doing is the right path, and I'm doing it out of love and not. A, a negative place, right, of jealousy or whatever it may be. And so, yeah, I advocate for people just to talk to someone. Like, all right, Alex Rosie says this. Like, think like Betty White, right? You just the first time you thought about Betty White in six in a long time. You don't think about Betty White daily, but she was a super pivotal person in our lives. She was like a pioneer. She was a woman that you saw on TV and you knew exactly who she was, right? But up until me just mentioning her you haven't thought about her in a while and think about how influential Betty White was. Right. So at the end of the day, like if that death in the most respectful way, rest in peace, Betty White, it wasn't insignificant, but like where it is on the statue of everything, right. Where you are, what's really going to matter, you know, when you're gone. And if it doesn't matter, then why does it not matter now type thing of what people think of you, how they perceive you type thing. 
And so I think that like a lot of depression nowadays comes from other like society's, you know, motives and what we see, what we need to do and stuff, right? The end of the day, right? What we have, it's just us. When we die, it's just us. Today's the youngest you'll be for the rest of your life. And that hit home. (laughs) No, it's the truth. It's the truth though. You know what I mean? Today is the youngest you will be for the rest of your life. And so for you to not take advantage of when COVID happened, right? I remember thinking this, like, man, they're not just going to go ahead and say, Kai, you're 20 years old. You're going to be 21. Cause I turned 21, like April 12th in Arizona. That was during the time that everything was shut down. The only month that everything was shut down. And I was planning for my 21st for years. I was so hyped, man. I was going to have the greatest time. Right. And I was thinking, I'm like, well, they're not just going to come back when I'm on my deathbed and be like, listen, man, you didn't have 12 months to go and have fun at that age. So we're going to send you back in time to that age and you're going to be able to have a blast. All the same people, right? And I was like, okay, well, you know, you have to be smart. You have to be safe. You know, COVID was a real thing, but do not waste your life. Do not, do not let this just be like a year where you didn't do anything, right? I mean, we took a lot of big jumps at that time and, and I'm thankful for the past couple of years, but yeah, good reminder for sure. What's kind of one piece of advice that you would give to someone struggling with their own mental health? It is crazy during that time. You don't know what it means, right? What that, what that means for you, what you're going through, right? How it's going to be able to play a role. But I promise you, like send me an invoice and, you know, Mike will put my email in. I promise you, I promise you, I promise you that pain that you feel at that time is now your threshold, right? Things that I thought would cripple me, you know, two years ago, I don't even blink an eye at anymore. Truthfully, I don't even like look at it. It doesn't, doesn't give me the same emotions, right? And so just know that it's, you can either let two th- happen for you or to you. Just like that old story of, you know, the two brothers. My father was an alcoholic, right? You see one bum on the side of the road, just he peed on himself. He smells horrible. He's asking you for money. You're like, what happened? What happened in your life? Why are you like this? He's like, my father was an alcoholic, right? And you see a guy get out of a Ferrari looking super fresh. He has that watch that you want, you know, bright red Ferrari in the suit that, you know, pinstripes and, and has his hair slicked back. And you're like, man, what ha- like, why? How did you get to that point? And he tells you, he's like, my father, father was an alcoholic, right? So you're able to take, you know, whatever your situation is, and they can either be for you or to you. And and honestly, when you're going through hell, it's impossible. It's so hard to be able to say, like, hey, man, things are going to get better. You know what I mean? Like, don't worry. Like, you can be in a completely different situation in 12 to 24 months. Your bank account's overdrawn right now. You have no food in the fridge. You know, you're going to sleep hungry and crying because, you're, you know, your stomach's upset and, like, you haven't been able to eat. Like, this is what is making you the person that you need to be. Just like Joe Rogan or that old saying, like, you know, hard times create strong men, strong times or strong men create easy times, easy times create soft men, something like that, right? It's like where you are at in that situation, you can genuinely use it as a fuel to be able to, and it's hard, it's hard, it's super hard, man. Like life is one of those things where everybody thinks that they have the golden answer and you listen to a hundred, hundred podcasts and probably what I've said is going to be in the same thing as another 75 episodes. Right. But I, I could truly say the only thing that is going to get you out of your situation and to where you want to be 
is just trying and not trying one day, right? Like every single day you wake up and you lay one brick, like you weigh one brick in 99 days, you're going to be able to have a little bit of a platform to be able to stand on, right? It's really, really hard though to be, because like I used to look at depression as just my subconscious telling me that I'm not doing enough, right? But then there's clinical depression where like you have to go out there and you have to go and get your blood drawn, right? Like go talk to somebody. There's just there's certain steps. And so subconsciously, most most people know. And, and that's just kind of something that's like inner, inner spirit you have to look at. But at the end of the day, I promise you, you wake up every single morning and you do something that makes yourself feel a little bit uncomfortable every single day in a positive way. There is no doubt in my mind that you will not in 100 days be in a completely different situation. And if not, like I said, send me an invoice because I just wasted your time. Uh, <laughs> I, I know I know it's the truth for sure, man. Thanks, dude. So if, you, so if you think about all of the different experiences that you've had so far, like just your entire journey, some things we've talked about um, in this conversation and other things perhaps that you haven't mentioned just because it, it, it didn't come up, what is the most important thing that you've essentially learned about yourself from everything that you've been through? Well, there's a few things. So Josh Snow says it is not the pursuit of happiness. The pursuit is happiness, right? And so you get to certain landmarks and, and, and parts where you're like, damn, once I hit this financial threshold, I'll be in a, in, a, in a different situation, right? Or I'll feel a certain type of way. I'll feel like, you know, I've, I've really done it. At the end of the day, right? If you're not growing, you're dying. The minute that you peak out is when you start, like when you retire, waiting to die, right? Like you're just waiting to croak at that point. Like enjoy life, whatever it may be. But that, that's like the beginning to the end type thing. And, and number two, right, don't look around and see, like, the people that got you to where you are not around anymore, right? There's that old saying in the book, uh, Think and Grow Rich, that you have to burn your bridges or burn all, the, burn all the ships. I apologize. Burn your bridges, but burn the ships. So an old Viking general, when he would raid a island, he would burn all his ships, right? And it would subconsciously be telling his guys that we're not retreating. There's no retreat. It's either we win or we die, right? And this guy was a famous, famous Viking general who went on to be like undefeated, if I'm not mistaken. Who knows what undefeated is until you die. So he was undefeated up until his last battle, I guess you could say. And I got to a certain point and I looked around and I, I the people that helped me get to where I was, right? From me jumping and being like, oh, I, now's the time, right? You always, 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 your relationships are more valuable than where you're going. It's not who you, or it's not what you know, it's who you know, right? And so make sure that you are not burning those ships like the people that helped you get to where you are you don't want to be up there and like the old saying like oh there's only two seats in a ferrari be because you are a piece of shit sorry for my french and i shouldn't be cussing mike but because you're a pos right you want it to be because those people didn't align with your vision if you have people that align with your vision and, and are where you want to be do everything in your power to be able to keep them because i promise you they're only going to continue to go up they're only going to help you continue to go up so yeah, definitely like my network has been my biggest tool in my tool belt. Nice. And then finally, so if you were given one wish, what would it be and why? Wow. It would be to go back to 2006 and invest in Bitcoin. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, honestly, it would, it would probably be like something like super cliche, like to make it so that I could just instantly leave an impact, right? Because that's what we're working for. Is leaving that impact. So if I could just be like, all right, World Hunger by Kai Clancy is solved. 
we're good to go so that I could just be focusing on like the fun stuff, like driving a Porsche around all day and stuff. Yeah. I honestly feel like it would be kind of something cliche like that because I feel if I was just to have the bag and, and have everything that I wanted right now, I would fumble it. Uh, if I just got to where I was like without going through the trials and errors and stuff, I would, Ed Milet says he knows a lot more rich people that were rich than are rich now. Right. And so like, I definitely have to go through these trials and errors, take these small losses and not even losses, but lessons so that, you know, we can continue to do what we're doing. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. Mike, I appreciate you, brother. This is going to be good. I'm going to drop all these clips. Hopefully people will listen. And if you got up until this point, go ahead and, and you're looking for credit repair, whether you're coming from me or coming from Mike in the U.S., I will give you, normally our packages are like a thousand, fifteen hundred, two grand. Huge discount. I'll give you guys for 250 bucks. It does not matter what's on your profile. Just go ahead and uh, mention T with Mike and in our conversation when you're reaching out to me. And I'll go ahead and show you guys some love. But I appreciate you, Mike. You're the man. Awesome. And all right, everyone, this was another episode of the Tea with Mike show, talking today with Kai Clancy on uh, mental health, how he kind of got started in business and the entrepreneurship world, a little bit about credit and kind of some of the lessons Kai has learned, I guess, in his journey so far, including the importance of, if you really need it, getting a therapist, because they can actually help you get over that dark spot in your life. And I'll attest to that, too. And if you enjoyed Kai's story, make sure you check out uh, some of the other great episodes of people all over the world, mainly on audio these days at teawithmike.com and on Spotify, Anchor, and all of the other major podcasting platforms. And thanks once again, Kai. It's the Tea with Mike show.